Thanks for tuning into Upward Way podcast. If you're looking to be spiritually blessed, moved and inspired, there is no doubt you are in the right place. On our show, guests recount their encounter with Christ and how their lives have been transformed through the grace and love of God. And now, please welcome our host. Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guest today is the CEO of Gentle Loving Home Care, Nicole Leuten. Welcome to Upward Way. Thank you so much for having me. It is indeed a pleasure to be here. It's really a joy to have you. And I know that, you know, as we share, the listeners will really, they'll benefit immensely from what you have to share. So what I want to do, Nicole, um, is just for you to, I would say, you know, go from the beginning, you know, what was your upbringing like? You know, where did you grow up? How were things for you in your formative years? So I grew up in the country in Jamaica, in a place called Mount Russell with my grandparents, because my mother had me very young. She was 16 at the time when she became pregnant. So I always joke and say that my grandparents grew both me and my mother together. So we kind of grew up like sisters. So grew up with my grandmother and my grandfather in the country. We were very poor. We had to carry water miles. We didn't have running water. We didn't have electricity. I remember I used electricity for the first time when I was 13 years old. When I left to go live with my aunt who lived closer to my high school, I didn't know I was poor though. I had so much joy. To this day, it is actually some of the best days of my life. We ate organic food. We didn't know it was organic. (laughs) We grew it. Um, We had our own farm and we ate what we grew. So in retrospect, when I look back, I actually had the best life because now I could hardly afford organic foods. They're so expensive. And so that was my upbringing. I grew up with my grandmother. I remember she was Pentecostal. And if you know anything about Pentecostals, they're at church every single day. So I would go to church Sunday morning. And church is not going to be over until the spirit give utterance, quote unquote. So that means it could be three o'clock. If somebody's rolling on the ground, we're there till four. And then once you leave Sunday morning, you go back Sunday evening for night service. Then Monday night was prayer meeting, Wednesday Bible study, Thursday testimony service, Friday was youth night. It was a really only Saturday that we didn't have church. I was brought up in the church though. So that was good. And I love church. And um, that was really how I was brought up. I was also brought up um, selling ripe bananas on the roadside because my grandfather was a farmer. And I would sell those ripe bananas to the cars as they passed by so that I would have lunch money for school. So even thinking about it now from I was about eight-year-old, I've been an entrepreneur selling on the road. So I had a very colorful and vibrant upbringing and start, and I, I absolutely love it. I love the way you segue into that, you know, from you're like eight, nine years old, you have been an entrepreneur. And, you know, later on, we'll talk a bit more about, you know, your entrepreneurial endeavors. So you paint a lovely picture of, you know, as you said, it was colorful. You were quote unquote poor in terms of maybe not having a lot um, economically. But at the same time, you were able to enjoy a very beautiful life, you know, filled with activities. So those early years, you said, you know, you didn't know that you were poor. So can you recall any challenge that you faced maybe with school in the community that maybe kind of asked you to question, you know, why are things the way they were? Absolutely. I remember I started school when I was two and a half. And I remember every single day, my grandmother would come to school with my cornmeal porridge um, for my food every day, religiously, because she didn't have money to always give me lunch money for school. So she would show up every day. She would lift me over the fence 
feed me my porridge, put me in her lap. I was very tiny. Give me my porridge and put me back over the fence and send me to school. But I remember I didn't remember seeing any other child coming over the fence for porridge. And so I knew uh, that my situation was a little different. I also, as I got older, I, um, I started getting embarrassed when I would have to sit on the road side to sell the ripe bananas, especially when I, we call it middle school here, about that age, like 13, 14, when you start having the crush on the boy. And I didn't want them to see me anymore selling on the side of the road. So when my friends were passing by, if I see a car, I would run and hide behind a stone because I didn't want them to see that. So I knew you know, that I wasn't as fortunate as some of the other children. Um, I also had to go to my neighbor's house to watch um, TV. They had electricity. And it's so funny because I used to go and watch um, soap opera days of our lives. <laughs> I didn't have electricity. I used to have to walk miles to get water. Other people had those things. So, yes, I knew that my life was different. You know, I'm deliberate with the question I ask because, you know, sometimes persons will look at your life, you know, as you go through the years and there's what we consider success and real success, you know, and they say, oh, you had it made, you know, you were lucky. So how did you overcome those challenges? You know, sometimes being embarrassed, but to stick to it, to ensure that your educational goals were achieved you know how did you manage to study that kind of thing one of the things that was big in my family outside of spirituality was education and education was my way out of poverty um my grandparents would ensure that it doesn't matter where the money was coming from i was going to school i don't remember ever missing a day of school and so Education was pushed, extracurricular activities. And so I knew those things were important. And I was in an environment, I was in, an, I was in a family that also, even though I was the first person in my family to, to get a college education and probably even high school, they knew how important it was and they made sure that I got that opportunity. And I would say that was my way out. Awesome. So we are seeing that the family background is important in terms of the values that they pass on to their children. Absolutely. Another question I, I want to jump on relates to the formative years. You know, what message and this you can talk from the perspective of being a youth or as an adult, you know, what word of advice would you give to someone? You know, it doesn't matter what age or stage they are in life things are not going the way you know they should they can look at other individuals lives and seeing things seeming to be easy but you want them to realize that they too can accomplish just about anything they set out to so what advice would you give to anyone who is in that situation i know you can pull from so many sources first of all i love that you call me youth i really really love that um i receive that you know to be honest with you, I didn't necessarily see anyone in my family uh, outside of, um, you know, my grandmother selling her ripe bananas. But I didn't really see anyone in my family going to college or doing the things that I aspired to. But I looked to other role models. Like I remember from as young as I could remember, I would go before that mirror and practice um, saying my name. The name I was born with is Tanisha Nicole Thomas. Now, when I got married, I switched my first with my middle name and my married name is Loin. But I was born with Tanisha Nicole Thomas. And I would go before that mirror almost every day. And I would say, this is Tanisha Thomas for JBC News. I always wanted to be a journalist. And it was based on what I saw on TV. I just knew that I wanted to be a journalist. And... I looked on those people, those news anchors as a role model. And I eventually went to Northern Caribbean University, did mass communication. I was a news reporter, I was a journalist, public relations professional. I did it all in media. 
And so I would say to, to anyone who, you know, probably come from a background like mine, where you're not so economically um, fortunate as others, or you probably don't have um, role models in your family that you can look on, you can look outside of that. Look on the TV, look in your church, your youth groups, even at school, your teachers, and just just know that anything that you put your mind to, you can achieve absolutely anything. All you have to do is commit to it, hard work, dedication, and believe in yourself, and you can do it. I am an example. Powerful stuff there, and I hope in case you missed what Nicole just shared, you can just you know rewind that part of the interview to ensure that those gems you can really honor. And as you just said, you know, people say, you know, you can speak it into being, you can dream it, whatever terms you want to use. It's just about believing. Now, I want to segue into, I would say, the many hats that you wear. <laughs> and, you know, when we talk about many hats, people sometimes imagine maybe a clown looking figure with several hats stacked on his head. But in your case, that, that's not really it. You know, you, you really serve in different capacities. So you are the CEO of, and I want to make sure I say it properly, of Gentle Loving Home Care. And I will give you a chance to talk about that in a bit. But even before that, you, you have worked in different areas. You are a motivational speaker. You are an entrepreneur. You worked in media. So, oh, importantly, you also, you know, are... I would say a minister of the gospel, you know, you share the word of God day in, day out. So just walk us through some of those hats before we come to you being CEO of, you know, gentle, loving home care. Here's what I believe. Uh, and I think the late Miles Monroe says it best. I believe that we should go to the grave empty. And what that means is every single gift that God gave us, we should use them for his glory. Find out what your gift is. And if you don't know what your gift is, I actually have a book on Amazon called What Am I Good At? It's I think it's on it like for $5. So go grab that book. And find out what your gifts are. Develop those gifts and use them to the glory of God. And that's exactly what I did. So from I was a little girl, the environment again, my mother used to make sure that I was in, she volunteered me for everything. Right. She also made sure that I was always on the stages. I was at church doing stuff on the stage. Um, she saw that I, I had a gift for public speaking. So I started doing oratorical competitions. And so she started to hone that gift. And then I went and, and studied media. And, you know, I just continued to use that gift. Um, Wherever a door is open to me, I speak all over, I preach the gospel, I motivate when I can, I write. I just believe in using every single thing that God has given me to create an impact. It kind of reminds me of the story of the talents. And God is going to be very upset. I also sing. God is also going to be very mad with some of us when he comes back and say, hey, I gave you these things. What did you do with them? And so once God gives you something, you are supposed to use it. We are supposed to have many hats because we are, we are multifaceted people. And so we should do it all for the glory of God. I'm happy the way you have answered. <laughs> I'm happy the way you have answered because everything you attribute back to God, and I love the story of the talents just as well. And, you know, you mentioned the church, you know, that's where things started. And I've listened mm -hmm. to so many success stories over the years. And, you know, they attribute, I started in the church. One person people would refer to as one of the greatest singers. Um, that would be Whitney Houston. That was where she started. Mm -hmm. And, you know, coming from Jamaica, you know, we are both from Jamaica. Some of our popular artists, you know, we'll say DJs, whatever term we want to use, they started in the church, but they drifted away. So there are persons I know to who go to church. They are given opportunities to present, to share. 
and they shy away from it because maybe the stage <laughs> isn't big enough. I, I wanted to also speak to those persons, you know, Christians, church members, or let, let me just say religious individuals in a general sense. You have an opportunity to serve, you know, in your local community, in your local congregation. But you are thinking you want to serve globally, but you don't want to start at that foundational level. What advice would you give those individuals? Well, I've seen it several times. Absolutely. Well, the Bible says, if you are faithful over a few things, I will make you rulers over many things. You are absolutely right. I see it all the time. So, for example, my husband and I were the children's ministry leader for our church for three years. And one of the things, we started a homeless feeding program in our city. And initially, the support was not as great as we thought it could have been. And what's ironic about the whole thing is that we have some of these same people saying that they're interested in missionary work and they want to go to Africa to do missions and they want to go to these far places. And I'm always saying, but we're going 15 minutes away from you, two Sabbaths per month. Why don't you come with us since you're interested in missionary work? But what that tells me is that it's really not that we're interested in missionary work. It's actually that we want a piece of flesh. It's for a show. It's not really that we want to do ministry. And, you know, we have to make sure that whatever we are doing, it is authentic that we're not just doing it for self and for, for, for self-glory. We're actually doing it for God because a lot of Christians, unfortunately, or people who go to church, unfortunately, they just want the big stages. They want the, the, the light, camera, action. And that is why the Bible says, God says on that day, there are many who are going to come to me and say, Lord, didn't I do this in your name? Didn't I do this? And he's going to say, depart from me. I never know you. It is those people that are going to hear that. And so even as I, I do what I do for God, I'm always questioning my heart. I'm always questioning my motives to make sure that in everything that I do, God is glorified. Wonderful. In everything we do, we do it for the honor and glory of God. I want you to talk now about that book. You kind of just glanced over it as if, you know, it's nothing. <laughs> so I wanted to share a bit, you know, of the gems first. You give us the title another time and then, you know, share what really do we look forward to in reading this book. And I want to say to, you know, someone who may think, you know, why do I need to read another book? You know, I can read the Bible and so on. Yes, you know, the Bible is ultimately what we read. But when we read book from different authors, we also get a personalized aspect of what they go through as human beings because sometimes we think that the Bible authors or characters are not human beings. So walk right. us a little bit into what we can honor from your book. Okay. So one of the things about me is that I'm passionate about several things, but two of the main things I'm passionate about is Jesus and business. I love entrepreneurship. I love ownership. And so I believe that as believers that we're called to dominate. But one of the things that I recognized in the kingdom was that we were not operating at our full capacity. We were not being the best versions of what God called us to be. We were not living like kingdom people. We were not living like children of a king. We were living below, you know, what should be the standard below the God that we speak about. And so I just had this desire to write a book about helping believers to understand what is in their hand. So the title of the book is What Am I Good At? Why I wrote that book was because I've had so many questions with people coming to me like, oh, you're doing this. I don't know what to do. I hate my job. I don't know what my gifts are. I don't know what my purpose is. So I thought that book was necessary. One of the main messages of that book is what is in your hand? What is in your hand? Jesus said to Moses when, Mo when he called Moses to deliver the children of Israel, and Moses didn't think that he could do it. 
God said, what is in your hand? And all Moses had was his rod. But that was all he needed. What was in his hand was sufficient. So if God is calling you to do something, he has already equipped you. So you have to figure out what is it that is within me that God is God has this burden on my heart to do this. And so that book helps you to find what your gift is. It's a really good little book. It's a quick read and it helps you find what your gift is, how to monetize that gift, how to create impact with that gift, how to build wealth with that gift, because God has already given it to us. Sometimes we don't recognize it because we think that it's not perfect. But what we have to understand is that even though we have the gift, it is our responsibility to perfect the gift. Diamond is not diamond as it is when it's in the raw. You have to develop that thing. I studied mass communication. You, I know you studied mass communication. I could speak, but I still had to develop that. I'm, I'm actually still developing that gift. I'm still doing coaching, mentorship. So your gift, it is your responsibility. And I come back to the story of the talents to hone that thing that God has given you and develop it and perfect it so that you can operate at your highest level. And so that is what, in a nutshell, that book is talking about. Wonderful. It's about perfecting the gift. And, you know, you talk about me doing mass communication. You're embarrassing me. <laughs> <laughs> but um, on, on a serious note, though, I I used to, I, well, I'm still a fan of, you know, the game of cricket. And so I remember, I'm going to mention someone who would say he's not a big success in cricket, but there's this Jamaican called Xavier Marshall. And he played for the West Indies team, you know, briefly. You know, they said he had some problems with discipline. But I remember when I read about his backstory, the storyline was he would get up in the nights, maybe 3, 4 a.m. And he's what they call shadow batting because he does not, he cannot have a ball and a, um, to be hitting in the night. But he's practicing his technique in the wee hours of the morning. And, you know, you read about Rafael Nadal. You, you, you hear about his training and so on, you know, from a youth. These are the things that they go through. And so... Success is not an overnight thing. <laughs> As you said, it's about perfecting the craft. And similarly to what you say, for me, yes, I, I went and I did um, mass communication at Northern Caribbean University. But I will tell people that my training ground has always been the church. So, you know, I learned a lot during those four years. But for me to be able to speak with confidence, it's really in the church yes. where I learned those things. And having taught in the classroom also that was also a part of my <laughs> training ground so yeah we should really use our gifts to really serve god i know you are gonna say something else before you know i could so you can yeah continue. i was gonna say this as you mentioned that um that cricketer it made me think about asafa powell most um jamaicans would know asafa powell he was one of the well he is one of the fastest still is one of the fastest runners in the world. And I remember Asafa was my classmate. And I remember Asafa, he would go to our local championships and he wouldn't win. Some of the times he would come almost last. And so our school, so even though he had the gift, it didn't really benefit our school, Charlie Mount High School, because he wasn't a fast runner, right? But what he has done over the years, he has taken that gift. He has taken that gift and worked on it, worked while others were sleeping, sacrificed until he became one of the fastest runners in the world. And that is an example of how you can have a gift. Yes, it's not perfect. You're not the best, but you work on it. And then you can become the best. Yes, perfecting your gift. And I love that, you know, there, there was this quote. Um, I won't say all of it, but I remember in primary school, you know, we were almost every day, the heights by great men reached and kept. And sometimes mm. it became <laughs> a bit of an irritation and a nuisance for me. Yes. Because I keep hearing it. And I'm saying, yes. what is this, you know, that, you know, they were toiling upward through the night. I'm saying, what is this? <laughs> but... 
now as an adult i can understand yes. what this you know poem was really all about <laughs> it's really about as you say perfecting your gift so yes. we're going to launch you now into you know fully you being an entrepreneur and also you can whichever entrepreneurial endeavor you want to talk about first walk us into how did you transition to being you know ceo of gentle loving home care because this sounds as if it's nursing and all along you've been just talking about being a public speaker being a, a media practitioner so you know how did you transition into that so in 2009 to yeah about 2009 2010 i came to america from jamaica well from grenada because i was actually living in grenada at the time doing some media work there i came to america in the recession to live when i came here it was hard there was nobody hiring at the time and so i remember i sent out about 40 job applications and i didn't get a response well, there were a few people who told me why I wasn't getting any responses. So, for example, I couldn't work in radio because my accent is too strong. And that was one of the main thing. And um, some of the things that I would say, I, I sounded different. So, for example, you know, the British English is slightly different from American English, even in how we pronounce certain words. So those are some things I had to relearn. So, for example... I would say schedule when it's, I'm supposed to be saying schedule. So it was a whole, a whole culture change and shock and transition that I had to go through. And so I just couldn't find any, any work to do. So my mother was, was working in the healthcare field and my sister was a nurse. And they said to me, well, you have to go to nursing. Well, my mother always wanted me to be a nurse from I was in Jamaica, but I never liked it. I never liked the, the, you know, the blood and the other stuff that comes with stuff. So I'm like, no, that's not me at all. And I said, God, what am I going to do? Because I can't just stay here and not work. And I would watch my sister. It would be ringing off her phone. Meanwhile, I'm praying that somebody would just give me a job. I would even volunteer at this point. And so I said, you know what, out of desperation, I decided to try nursing. When I go to job interviews and people ask me, why did you do nursing? I don't lie that, oh, you know, I was always passionate about helping people. That's not my story. <laughs> I went in there for the money. <laughs> I was desperate. <laughs> and so I um, I went to school. I um, did nursing. I did not like it at first, but my mother told me, you will get over the poop. Trust me, you'll get over the blood. You'll get over it all. And I believed her. And God is so, God is so amazing. God is so amazing. And, and, and I really, really love and believe the scriptures that says, all things, all things come together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And so even though initially it wasn't my first love, I ended up loving nursing because when you have a heart to serve and a heart to help people, the vehicle may look different, but God can still use whatever vehicle he chooses to use to fulfill your purpose. And so I went ahead, did nursing and I, it was tough, but I did it. I worked in the hospital for five years until I was like, okay, I need to get out of the hospital now, Lord. I'm tired. And God opened up the opportunity for me to, and I'm summarizing, go into the home health field. I saw a friend doing it and was successful, and she encouraged me to do it. For those listening who don't know what that is, I have a home home health agency. And what that is, it's it's like a staffing company. And what we do, we send nurses and nursing assistants into the homes of individuals who are probably sick or who are disabled or an elderly uh, parent that you have that needs help to use the bathroom, 
children have to go to work, you need somebody to stay. That's what we do. And then in recent years, God shifted our business somewhat. And now we mostly specialize with in children with special needs, specifically autism, Down syndrome, you name it. We, we send nurses and aides in the homes or hospitals, wherever these children are to provide care for them. So what I love about what I do, Marlon, it's ministry. I get to serve. And so I always say to people, like sometimes people come to me and they're like, oh, I don't know what my purpose is. Or, oh God, I don't know if God, if I should do this job or if I should do that job. And I always say, God can use whatever vehicle. Don't worry about the vehicle. It doesn't matter if I'm driving a Toyota or if I'm driving a Mercedes or if I'm driving a G-Wagon. That same vehicle can take me to my destination. So I feel like we need to stop being so focused on what is that one purpose? Like what? No, God has called us to serve. God has called us to share. God has called us to impact the world. And as you could see with my life, I've done so many different things, so many different areas. People ask me, how do you go from communications to sciences to nursing? It does not matter. And I may do something else, but who I am at the core is love. Who I'm at the core is a servant leader. Who I'm at the core is a person with compassion. And so whichever area that God puts me, I am going to do those same things, serve others. And so that's where I'm at now. We, um, we serve eight counties in Florida. So we're in all of South Florida. We have three locations. We have over 500 caregivers and nurses who work for our company. We are planning to expand. Our goal is to service all of Florida. So God has blessed us. We're growing and we are just, you know, taking everybody with us for the King. I love the sound of that. And that quote has me thinking the vehicle may look different but God can use whatever vehicle to fulfill your destiny. There's a question I'm going to throw at you. You know, just as you said, you went into nursing out of desperation. There might be someone who <laughs> is desperate too for employment and they are wondering, you know, how could I gain employment with your company? You know, what are the qualifications? So for the benefit of such a listener, you know, if they would like to gain employment with you, you know, what qualification do they need? Do they have to be in America? That sort of a thing. Yes, they would have to be in America. Uh, the field that I am in, it's highly regulated by the state. Why? Because we're taking care of some of the most vulnerable. We're taking care of children and we're taking care of the elderly. We're taking care of the sick. And so everyone who works for us, they have to they go through rigorous background screening, fingerprinting. They would also have to do some training courses with how to take care of these people. Um, but the training is not long, though. It's really just a couple of weeks. Um, you don't have to have a previous degree, but you definitely would have to have compassion. You definitely would have to love serving and caring for people. Those things are important because even though, yes, I was I was desperate for a job, I really couldn't have been a successful nurse if I didn't love people, if I didn't have a heart of compassion, if I didn't have a servant's heart. So those qualities are important. I always tell people when I'm hiring, I'm not looking for your skill set. I can always train you to do those things. But what I'm looking for is your attitude. I'm looking at your character, who you are as a person, because I cannot train those things, but everything else is easy. Yes, though, would say soft skills, you know, your interpersonal skills. Thanks for saying that because we are taught to, you know, go after the money. <laughs> so wherever the money is, that's where we should run. But importantly, you have to have the right attitude or else there'll be no success. Now, there's another question I'm going to throw at you. It's not anything difficult, but along your professional journey, what would have been some of the, and you alluded to one earlier when you just transitioned to the US, but what would have been some of maybe the setbacks, the hardships that you had to overcome? You know, things that would say shake maybe your foundation, 
your decision making, you know, did I make the right choice? Am I on the right path? You know, what would have been maybe one or two of those challenges? And then how did you overcome it? I know I know the answer already, but <laughs> I still needed to answer. So one of the challenges for me was when I came to America, I came, I eventually had to get a student visa because my mother was filing for me at the time, but it was still in the process. So I got a student visa and that made it very, very difficult because I was not rich already. And now I had to be paying three times the tuition because I'm an international student. But I felt in my spirit that I should be doing a master's in mass communication because I had a bachelor's and that's what I love, even though I was in the recession. And my mother said to me, no, don't do that. Don't go to, New I was supposed to go to New York. Don't go to New York to do that. I don't think that's the best idea. I really think you should do nursing. And I, I really hated nursing. I'm like, I don't think I'm not going to do it. And so I, I got everything ready for New York. I got accepted into the school. I got the, the loan from Sally May because I needed to go back to the embassy to show them new proof and new things. I got the loan approval from Sally May. I got everything to go to New York. And I remember that weekend, uh, somebody invited me to this church service one night and I went and this lady was, was, she was doing like the altar call and she was calling up people to come to the altar. She was kind of looking in my direction. I was like, why is she looking in my direction? Like, cause she appeared like she was some prophetess or something like if she's a true prophetess, she should have seen that I'm, I'm already a Christian. Why is she like trying to, you know, beckon me to come? So she insisted and then she pointed at me and she said, you, yes, you, I need you to come. And I was already going up there. You're like, you know, like I wasn't pleased. And then she said, the Lord said that you're planning to go take a trip to go to another state to study something that he's not calling you to do. That's not his will for you. Like it was so plain. She basically told me everything. And I started, I just started crying. And then I came back home and I called my mother and I said, mommy, you know, this happened and, and she's like, well, I already told you, but I said, yes, but I couldn't receive it from you because you're my mother and, you know, you get overly emotional and I know that you want to protect me. So I don't always know when to always take stuff from you. And so I prayed about it and I realized in that moment that that wasn't what God had intended for me. So even though my field was communication, God was not calling me to go to New York you know, at that moment. And so it was obedience for me. The answer is I, I was just obedient to God. And I, and I stayed and I'm like, I think that's when I was like, okay, God, I guess you want me to do the nursing because then what else am I going to do? And I, I'm so happy because look at God. It's kind of remind me of Joseph. I'm pretty sure Joseph would not have chosen to go in the pit, right? And so I, I wouldn't have said, oh, I want to do nursing. But because I became a nurse. I now get the opportunity to do what I'm doing at this high level. I could serve all these hundreds of, of patients because I went through the training. Now I have a master's degree in nursing leadership and management, but I had to go through what I didn't want to do, those initial stages of the nursing and remind me of Joseph with his brother. So and, you know, it, it just leads me to this point. Sometimes God don't really fully reveal your full purpose to you because if you see the journey that you're going to have to go through to get to your ultimate purpose, you're going to say, no, God, I don't want that. And so sometimes that's why God can give us the full picture. He can show us the full picture. He can just give us little, little bite sizes, little pieces as we go. Because now in retrospect, when I look back on my journey, I had to do that so that he could bring me to where I'm at now. And so, oh, God is just amazing. Lovely. You know, I'm, I'm looking at the calendar and it's now 2023. <laughs> and you spoke about something. I mean, that was not the start of the journey overall, but this phase would say started in 2009. So that would have been, let us say, 14 years. And that is one of the things I say to individuals. Sometimes we read the Bible and we read, let us say, um, David. And we said, David killed Goliath and he was a champion you know, and David became king. But between slaying Goliath, the enemy, and becoming king, there were several years, you know, he was um, hiding 
in caves because he was now a fugitive. <laughs> the king wanted his life. So we sometimes can't understand the journey as you just highlighted. And so it's important that we can learn to trust God, you know, even when things are not going as well as we anticipated, because at the end, you know, he has the success to come. Don't yeah. just look at the glamour at the moment, but look mm -hmm. at what will happen through the journey because there are things to learn. No. And it may not always make sense to you as you are going along that journey. Wonderful. Yes, it doesn't. Well, I could say it never makes sense <laughs> to us. No, I think that sometimes people, we could say fear or they ask, you know, of individuals who are involved in ministry, you know, how do you balance things? You know, do you have to give up family time? Do you have to give up personal time? You know, how do you balance things? And, you know, are there failures that comes along with the success that you are accomplishing? So, you know, how do you balance both your time, you know, time for family, time for friends, personal time? And also, how do you balance when things are not going as smoothly as they would do, you know, as an entrepreneur? I don't believe in the word balance and I don't operate by the word balance. Um, my life is a sum total. Everything is holistic. Everything is one. Everything is for the glory of God. Every single thing I do. So my business is ministry. Every single day that I'm I'm taking care of these patients, every single day that I'm I'm serving, I'm doing ministry. Tomorrow is Sabbath. Our family, we're going to church together as a family. And how we are rearing the children, it's to give honor to God. So what I believe in though is that sometimes you have to prioritize certain things above another thing. So for example, if I realize that we have been spending a whole lot of time with the business because, you know, right in the season, it's, it's a busy season. Then I say, okay, all right. I haven't been spending as much time with my husband. So um, next week, babe, let us spend some quality time together. This week, I may not get to spend as much time with my children, but Next week, we're going to do less of this thing and then we do more of that thing. So so it's it's prioritizing as the need arises. And I'll give you an, even another example. So for three years, my husband and I led children's ministry at our church. We absolutely love children's ministry. But after three years, we decided that we had to step back and allow somebody else to lead it because we have two young children. I have a five-year-old and I have a one-year-old. So that comes with a lot of responsibilities with everything else that we do. It's just um, prioritizing, you know, but everything works together in harmony to bring glory to God. Big one. <laughs> yes, it's all about prioritizing. And, you know, we hear that so much in, in business terms, you know, you go to university, you may, you may even do a course that focuses just on prioritizing. So it's very important for us to learn because, that. Because when I think about it, the truth is like, how, how do you balance? What do you say? Okay, I give two days to my husband, three days to the business, five, four days to the kids. Like you really can't. So for example, last week, my daughter was sick, right? She had an ear infection and she, she had a cold. She's one. She wanted to be carried around like a handbag all day. I literally couldn't do any business. I had her all week. So everything else took a back burner and I had to take care of my baby. You know, so, so for me, it's, it's, it, it's what's most important in the moment. That's what we're doing. Perfectly answered, perfectly said. The, the final question I will throw at you speaks to, it's not really goal setting this time, but you know, as we work for Christ, we always realize that there is something else we may want to do or something else that God might be calling us to do. So if you could say start something else or you could improve on what you would be doing, you know, based on what you feel God is saying to you now, what would that be? And also, who would that serve? So it's kind of a twofold okay. question. Sure. I believe that God is calling me to himself. It's good 
to work for God and it's good to serve others, but we have to be careful and understand that the most important thing is that we make sure that we are being called to God himself and not the work of God, because they're two different things. While both of them is important, being called to God himself is the most important thing. And oftentimes, one of the challenges that people like myself face is because we do so much, it can rob us, or if we're not careful, take us away from the presence and the intimacy of God, because we are constantly being pulled and, and called to serve others. And I'm always very careful to be mindful of that because I've been there before where I was everything in the church, every single thing. And I basically had no relationship with God. I was so far from God. I was My prayer life was a mess. wasn't spending enough time in the word because I was busy serving. I don't want to be like that. I want to be at the feet of Jesus and so I believe that I'm in a season now where God is calling me to himself. And so I'm spending some more time, personal time with God, getting up in the morning, spending quality time in prayer. And for me, that means waking up before the children wake up. And my children are waking up five, six o'clock. That's what it means for me personally, because if I don't do that, when they wake up and the day starts, it's going to be very, very difficult. And for me to function at the highest level, I need to be able to hear from my father. There's no way I can serve effectively if I'm not hearing from God. That is what the season I'm in. I'm spending more quality time with God in prayer, in fasting, in, in studying of his word, just spending quality time with him. Who is it going to serve? It's going to serve everybody. Because the more equipped, the more full I am of God, the more of God that I have, it's the better I'm going to be able to serve those who he has called me to. That God is calling you unto himself. As you mentioned, the time your <laughs> children get up between five and six. So it means you have to get up before them. That was something I learned too when I became a parent, that you can't allow them to get up before you. Since you mentioned, you know, going to God, there is a song. I won't sing it, uh, but I, I just <laughs> want to quote the the first verse. I think it might be written by Joseph L. Hall. I'm not sure, but it says, "Sitting at the feet of Jesus, oh, what words I hear Him say! Happy place, so near, so precious, made find me there each day. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, I would look upon the past, for His love has been so gracious; it has won." my heart at last so wow. I, yes I, I endorse that move from you and just before we close I just want to do a little recap of you know what we have on earth in this interview so Nicola shared with us you know about growing up in the countryside in Jamaica and she critically mentioned the importance of you know church life that was where the foundation was laid she spoke about her initiation into entrepreneurship as an eight-year-old helping her grandmother selling those ripe fruits uh, she has highlighted to the importance of you know education and though she may not have had examples in her own family she was able to draw inspiration from others so we can do the same we can watch for tv we can read books then she highlighted the importance of you know utilizing the gifts you know what is in your hand Moses only had a rod, but it was all he needed. And that gem of a book, What Am I Good At? Seven proven strategies to discover, maximize, and build wealth, you know. So if God is calling you, it means he has already equipped you. And um, a few more points to unearth that we have discussed, you know. We need to perfect our gifts. And she outlined the example of Asafa Powell former world record holder over the 100 meter and in case you think everything was easy for her as she transitioned to america she was stopped by the recession many of us know about the pandemic the recession was just as bad but what she said don't watch the vehicle it may look different but god will use it to fulfill your destiny 
And in case you are having challenges with God and in your life, just be obedient to God. That was all she needed to do. Be obedient and God took us through. And the final two points is that as we live our lives, it's not about balance. I'm happy she has scratched that word and I won't use it anymore, hopefully. But it's about prioritizing. And, you know, finally, she's saying God is calling him, calling her rather to himself. And I think that is what God is doing for all of us. He's calling us unto himself. So, Nicole, I want to say thanks for taking the time out to share with us today so many things. Yeah, you'll get a chance to say some more. Uh, we have been speaking with Nicole Loyton, CEO, and I want to make sure I say the company properly before we go, CEO of Gentle Loving Home Care. And as she mentioned previously, it's about a heart of service. But Nicole, as is customary on the show, do you have any parting words to share with our listeners? Before I share my parting word, I just want to say this, that I have a new devotional that is coming out and I'll give your listeners a free sample of first five days. All they have to do is go to nicoleloyton.com and I'll spell that N-I-C-O-L-E-L-O-I-T-E-N. That's nicoleloyton.com and just enter your information and I'll email you the first five days of my new devotional. My parting words is this. One of my favorite verses, Matthew 6, 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Everything that your mind can conceive, if you seek God wholeheartedly, and his righteousness, all these things. His word said, there is no good thing that he will withhold from those who love him, from those who are called according to his purpose. He said, how could my children ask for bread and I give them stone? How could they ask for fish and I give them a serpent? And so I encourage you today, seek God every single thing that you need is in God. It's not, I don't care what they say on the news. I don't care what they say in the media. We are of the kingdom and our king has everything we need. Every single thing that we need is in the kingdom. You need a husband? He's in the kingdom. God gave me one. Another time I'll share that story. In the kingdom. You need money? In the kingdom. Every single thing that we need is right here. We're in the right place. Just stay here. Follow what God says, and he will reward us. Everything we need, it's in the kingdom. You've been in tuned to Upward Way. Do join us again next week when we'll have another interesting guest sharing his or her story of faith. Subscribe to weekly episodes on the Apple, AWR, Spotify, Loud Voice, or Stitcher podcast. Of course, we welcome you to visit Upward Way Facebook page and also Upward Way webpage. You can click like, leave a comment at the end of this episode. And if you feel impressed to donate to the ministry, you are free to do that as well. But until then, I'm Marlon Walter saying goodbye. May God bless you. You've been listening to the Upward Way podcast, the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world. 